Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NCAA Women's Basketball Unsung Hoopers. So we're focusing on unsung hoopers from the women's basketball tournament that's going on. We're entering the Sweet 16 that starts on Friday, and there are a lot of players that we get to talk about today. So Jalen, let's kick things off with your first unsung hooper. Yeah, man, this 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 side of the tourney does not get a lot of love, man. So I'm glad we were able to sit down. And although we're not going through every single round like we're doing with the men's tournament, it's still worth highlighting some of these ladies who have put on a really solid performance, whether they are still in the tournament or a part of teams that got eliminated. We're going to start with Lauren Jensen for Creighton. Their team is still in it off of a big uh, upset over Iowa. I'll get to that in a second. Jensen averaged 12.6 points per game, four rebounds, two assists, shot a little bit over 44% from the field and nearly 40% from three during the regular season. During March Madness, she has turned it up a gear, Ryan. Let me tell you, 13 points in the first round against Colorado in that dub, and then they went up against Iowa in the second round and got a huge 64 to 62 dub. What's so important about this, or one important thing to, to, to note about Jensen in this game is she's a former Iowa Hawkeye. So this was vengeance season for her. And she came out and did her thing, 19.7 rebounds. And she hit a three with 15 seconds left in the game that put, put the Blue Jays up 63 to 62 and essentially stole the victory. Now, Ryan, I'll let you talk a little bit about the game and like how she played um, individually uh, a little bit more in a second. But the one thing to note, man, for sure, is definitely the number they did on Caitlin Clark. The fact that they were able to keep her in check. We're talking about Internet sensation. The next Steph Curry uh, is how people have associated her. Yes, that Caitlin Clark is the one that they were able to keep pretty quiet in this game. So. Yeah, man. Honestly, I think revenge game is the best way that you could put it because Lauren Jensen, former Iowa player, hit the game-winning three to upset Iowa at home. Like, we talk about the significance of that. Um, the difference between the men's tournament and the women's tournament, the women's tournaments in with the top 16 overall seeds, they get their own region. So – the significance of a former Iowa player going to her former school to hit the game-winning three and advance their team into the Sweet 16, I think that's huge. But they they pretty much held Caitlin Clark in check for this game, Jalen. I don't know if you read her stats off already, but they pretty much held this Iowa team in check in general. You know, I thought Creighton's a great defensive team throughout the season. I don't think they get enough credit coming out of the Big East as a 10 seed. But, I mean, overall, you talk about these 10 seeds – they're doing some damage like that. Not only just Creighton, but another team that I'm going to be talking about as part of my unsung Hooper South Dakota as another 10 seed. I think these, these lower seeded teams have been, have been causing the most chaos in this tournament. Yeah. And I mean, go back to that stuff about Caitlin Clark. I'll just read them off for us. 15 points in that game. This is a player who averages well above 20, right? One of the best scorers in uh, women's college basketball held her to four of 19 shooting from the field, three of 10 from three. She still had eight assists and uh, eight rebounds and 11 assists. So she, she's nearly flirted with a triple-double, right? So in retrospect, it still was a very solid game by her. But this is a game 
in which the number they did on her specifically just goes to show you what kind of defensive acumen as a team this Creighton squad has to be able to slow down such a score like that. And it was like, it was actually up to Monica Cezano for Iowa to hold things down with 27 points to lead the team. Otherwise, this game could have got ugly, if we're being honest, because Iowa didn't have a single other um, double-digit scorer on their team outside of Caitlin and Monica. So this was a game that clearly kind of showed the biggest wart for Iowa, which is outside of Caitlin. Their guard play is a, a, a smidget suspect, I would say, in terms of the offensive end. They're a very good defensive team. They're still a very solid defensive group, but they it did highlight just how much emphasis Caitlin Clark, um, how much impact Caitlin Clark has on this Iowa offense. And with that being the case, Lauren Jensen went blow for blow in the backcourt, and it came down to making big shots, and Jensen hit the biggest shot of the game and got it done against Iowa. So Lauren Jensen is my first player for Creighton. And like you said, man, the first of – a few tendencies, like you said, that that are still hanging around and making some serious noise in the women's tournament. So moving on to my unsung Hooper. And again, I mentioned earlier, South Dakota, a 10 seed in the tournament. And one of their top players has been Hannah Jervin. And she's been one of the top players in the conference overall. And South Dakota as a team has been one of the biggest surprise teams in the tournament. She's had two great games so far in the tournament against Old Miss in the first round. She put up 20 points, seven rebounds, three steals, and a block. She couldn't miss either. She shot seven of seven from the field. Against Baylor in the second round, she put up 16 points, four rebounds, four steals, and a block. Now, keep in mind this season, Jervin is averaging 1.6 steals a game and 1.8 blocks a game for the season. She's also a two-time defensive player of the year in the conference. And I want to look at the Baylor game specifically because this was the win that has been incredibly important to South Dakota so far. The first possession of the game, Hannah Jervin records a steal. How important was that? It led to an 11-0 run to start the game. And it gave uh, South Dakota the win over Baylor. And for Baylor, that's their first non-conference home loss in eight years. And that also ended a 12-year streak of making it to the Sweet 16. So I think Hannah Jervin and South Dakota are quickly becoming household names in this tournament. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to go even further back, like she's kind of been on a roll heading into this tournament. They played Western Illinois two times um, toward between the quarterfinals, um, the, the last game of the season and the regular season, and the quarterfinal round of their uh, their conference tournament. In that last game of the regular season, dropped 20 and 14 with three steals. In that first game of the uh, the quarterfinals, had 11 and eight with three steals. They played Kansas City um, after that, ended up having 24 and nine. Gets South Dakota State in the final, drops 19 and 10. And now we're in a situation where, like you said, in the two NCAA tournament games that she's had, has had a really big impact on both sides of the floor. I didn't even mention in that South Dakota State game, she had four blocks amongst all the nonsense. So this is a player that over the last couple of weeks actually has really found her stride. And she's had a 30-point game, a 24-point game, 
and had some pretty uh, solid uh, defensive stats throughout the season. But it seems like when her teams needed her most, when the put when the chips are pushed towards the middle of the table, tourney time is when Jervin has woken up and has really, really played herself into the national spotlight as one of the better players still left amongst this group of teams in the Sweet 16. She's going to be a player that's going to have to garner a lot more attention in the Sweet 16 area because South Dakota is going to be a team that's not going to go out without a fight. I agree. I think that South Dakota definitely has a chance to make a, a Cinderella-type run in this NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe the best word, a Cinderella run, because, mm-hmm. I mean, no way is expected this from South Dakota, especially knocking off a top team in Baylor who has a top draft pick in the WNBA in Nalissa Smith. And they pretty much held her in check, Jalen. Like yeah. Hannah Jervin, I I think mainly the uh I think the matchup mainly was between Hannah Jervin and Melissa Smith. Melissa Smith did not shoot the ball well in that game. And I think you gotta credit South Dakota for this one. South Dakota actually has one of the top scoring defenses in the country. Like we mentioned earlier with how important the Creighton win over Iowa was. South Dakota beat Baylor on the road at Baylor. Like that's a huge I think that's a huge statement win for this team. I got to definitely agree, bro. I think that that's going to be one of those one of those games between the men's and women's tournament. I definitely think that we already have a few statement games that really stand out. South Dakota's win over Baylor. Look, man, the double Baylor takedown over the weekend makes me feel real good as a UNC fan to see the other. I hate to see the women's team go down. But at the same time, man, it feels good to know that some of these some of these underground teams are really making a, a, a name for themselves. I know UNC is an underground, but. We were really low in the ACC during the uh, during the regular season for the men's tournament, and they've really showed out. But for the women's tournament, like you said, South Dakota, hey, man, if I got to leave it to anybody to bring up a solid defensive team, go to this man, Ryan. If you need somebody that's going to be in the top 15, top 20 in defensive metrics in the NCAA, this is the guy to bring him up. And South Dakota is right exactly in that space. And that's one of those things. People love scoring teams during the NCAA tournament, right? Love teams that put up points. But you love to see a team that can win a scrap by a scrap medal uh, fight, too, because that's one of those things where sometimes these games are going to come down to one shot and South Dakota, South Dakota's held it down. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for South Dakota in their next game is just to have a similar start uh, to what they had at Baylor, because, again, I think that steal that Jervin had on the opening possession, that was the exclamation point, And that set the tone for how the game was going to go. So that's definitely important for them. But Jalen, let's move on to your second unsung Hooper. Yeah, so the next one that I have is uh, Kirsten Bell for uh, Florida Gulf Coast. We've brought her name up on this podcast before, actually, this season. Um, But I felt like it was really important to bring up her name specifically because I think she played her last college basketball game um, in the loss to Maryland. She's She's a projected top five overall pick in the WNBA draft that's upcoming actually in like a couple of weeks even. And the girl is astounding. There's no other way to put it. Kirsten Bell is an astounding player that averaged 22.8 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2.1 steals, 1.8 blocks, all of this during the regular season. And she had a nice round one against Virginia Tech with 22 points and eight rebounds. She also had three steals in that game. It was just Maryland was too much, man. And look, as a local kid, I'm sorry, but I got to root with the Terps. But at the same time, it's hard to see a girl like Kirsten Bell go down because she's had such an amazing season. 
This is the Florida Gulf Coast team that was a 12 seed despite going 30 and three this year. So look, man, at the end of the day, this is a season that was extremely special for her and her team. And despite going down to Maryland, which I can't be mad at, as like I said, as a local kid rooting for the Terps, I still got to give credit where credit is due when it comes to what she's done so far this season. And hey, man, look, if you're a WNBA fan, strap in. This is about to be one of those players that's going to be must-see TV on a regular basis. Remember the name Kirsten Bale now because if you watch the WNBA, you're going to get a very up-close and personal look at how, how really good she is. I couldn't agree with you more. She was actually one of my Unsung Hoopers when we recorded an Unsung Hooper episode earlier in the year. And the one, one of the things that really impressed me the most about her was her scoring ability. She, she just always wanted to score 25 points a game, and it just seemed like she was doing that constantly. She's actually one of the top scorers in the country, and she actually helped Florida Gulf Coast get into the top 25, and that's why they were such a dangerous team was mainly because of the play of Kirsten Bell, who was carrying that scoring load. Now, she didn't have a great game against Maryland because – Maryland's defense, they did a great job of, of containing her and holding her in check. And she didn't have the same impactful game that she did in the first round against Virginia Tech. But still, I think if you look at her overall season resume, she's a top five WNBA draft pick. I actually predicted yeah. she could go, she could go to the Atlanta Dream because I think she would fit well with their offensive scheme. And they definitely are looking for a scorer. I think this just solidified it with how well she played um, in the first round of the tournament. Great point. I think that's a great point. I'm going to pass it back to you for your players, uh, your your next unsung hooper, but great point on Kirsten, man. I think she's going to, she's definitely a top five pick. The ability is there. She's going to be dangerous at the next level. So talking about my second player, it's Lexi Hall from Stanford. If you watched the Monday Maryland breakdown recently on the Hoop Talk podcast Instagram account, I named her as a, as, as part of a spotlight uh, matchup with her and Ashley Wusu, I think they're both going to have a stellar game when they play on Friday, when Maryland plays Stanford. But looking at Hall individually, she's had a great season with Stanford, third leading scorer on the team with 12 and a half points, also shooting over 41% from the field and from three. She had a pretty good game in the first round against Montana State. In 21 minutes, she put up 13 points, five assists, three steals on six of 12 shooting from the field. But this second game against Kansas, Jalen, <laughs> this second game against Kansas, you want to talk about an outstanding game. 36 points, 6 of 11 from three. She also recorded six steals. She's actually averaging 2.3 steals a game for Stanford. And Hall has been an impact player for them this season. She can hit threes. She's a solid perimeter defender. I think she's been a big reason why Stanford is one of the top programs in the country this year. Yeah, man, I think the biggest thing about just Stanford's game against KU is like the level of domination, 91 to 65. Like, I mean, it was insanity. 36, Ryan, you, you have to put it in perspective too. 36 points in 36 minutes? Like, okay, look, if basically every time you jog down the court, you're coming down with a bucket, well, now we're in a situation that's, that, that you're just a bit more hard to stop than we'd like in a regular, in a let a, in a tournament game, let alone, um, a, you know, a situation like this where you're talking about a top seed team like Kansas with high expectations. So, I mean, she just she got hot at the right time, right? Literally before that, they played uh, what was it, Montana State? 
and she didn't have nearly as strong of a game, uh, 13 points and three rebounds, but the lights come on when KU comes to town, and she showed up big time. So um, Hole is one of those players. I think it's good that you brought her up in terms of her matchup with Ashley against Maryland. Of course, you know who we rocking with in terms of who we're picking to come out of that game. But at the end of the day, that could be a really interesting individual one-on-one matchup. Not not in terms of the guarding, but just in terms of the trading of baskets that possibly could be on display. We could see a very interesting offensive basketball game between these two squads. I think it's going to be also a very different matchup between those two squads. Jalen, if you remember early on in the season, Sanford gave Maryland one of their first losses of the year. But let's remember, Maryland did not have Diamond Miller, they didn't have Katie Benson, and they didn't have Faith Masonius. Now, granted, Faith Masonius is out for the season because she tore her ACL against South Carolina. Having Miller and Benson there, I think, are just going to help Maryland's rotation out more because, again, they they play with a shortened rotation already. They only play seven players a game. And granted, they all make impacts when they're playing, but <laughs> this is a Stanford team that they kept it that, that I think they'll have a very different outcome with now that Miller and Benson are healthy. Yeah, I think that that's going to be one of the more interesting games of the Sweet 16. And I think just a really good point. I think a really good point you just made is that these two teams have faced each other, but because Maryland wasn't fully healthy it does bring cause to pause in terms of worrying about Stanford. Um, if you're a, a if you're a, a, a pro Stanford uh, pick in terms of this tournament, but um, I think either way, it's going to be a really fun game. So I think that, you know, I think Hull is going to have to play really well. Uh, we've seen already, I'm going to bring up another player in a second who's had the wrath of Maryland. Uh, I already brought up Kirsten earlier too. I mean, Maryland is not going to go out. They are not going to go out like slouch, bro. They are going to be dangerous. And keep in mind, Stanford, the national champions, the defending national champions, too. So I think that could be a huge upset if Maryland were to pull it off. But it's a tough task because Lexi Hull is leading the Stanford Stanford team that is, is ready to go. One of the top teams in the country, like I mentioned earlier. And they just seem unstoppable right now. But Jalen, let's get to your third on Sun Hooper. Yeah, man. So talking about Maryland, I got to bring up another player who played for a team that lost to Maryland. Talking about Delaware, playing them in the first round. And first off, pure disclaimer here. This one hurt. This one hurt to pick. Jasmine, love you. We'll talk about you in a second. But this one hurt because Jasmine Dickey is a big reason as to why my Towson Tigers, our Towson Tigers, are not in the NCAA tournament this year. There's a very questionable call in the CAA tournament, and we're not going to talk about it, that took place in a game between these two that ended up leading to the Towson Tigers being sent home and instead having to play in the NIT. Nothing wrong with that. They played in the WNIT and played very, very well, I would say, despite falling in the first round. But Jasmine Dickey has a weird place in my heart because she's still a Maryland kid. She's a Maryland kid that played really well for Delaware, and she showed out in that game against Maryland. This season, she was the CAA Player of the Year, third leading scorer in the country with 25.2 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 1.9 steals. This was all during the regular season. Following that, 
They go into the first round against Maryland, and she's the only Delaware player with a pulse. And I mean this respectfully. She led the entire game. She was the leading scorer in the entire game with 31 points, along with 10 rebounds. The only other player on her team that had double figures was Ty Skinner with 10 points. For perspective, Maryland's entire starting lineup scored double digits, including Ashley Wusu, who you brought up earlier, who had 24. She basically was out there fighting on her own to a certain extent and really held her own. And, Ryan, I want to bring up something else really quick before I like pass it over to you. You want to talk about sealing yourself as a potential top WNBA pick. I checked out something earlier today, and on lines.com, the latest mock draft showed that Jasmine Dickey is actually projected to go to Atlanta in the second round with the 14th overall pick. Now, as an Atlanta-born kid, this makes me want to watch her a little bit more because I, I keep up with the Atlanta dream being uh, being a big Georgia uh, Georgia sports fan. But there was something interesting about that placement in that mock draft. She would be going ahead of players like Lorella Cuba, uh, Cuba and Kayla Pointer, who are both players we brought up on this podcast before and have brought up in a high regard in relation to WNBA draft stocks. So that just goes to tell you, I think that produ- that production during the regular season and how it translated in that matchup against Maryland might have fully solidified her as a legit WNBA draft pick and to be picked that early in the second round too just really goes to define just how special of a player and how special of a season she's had. Yeah, Jalen, Jasmine Dickey is a phenomenal player, a great scorer for Delaware, one of the top scorers in the country. But yeah, this one hurt because yeah. as as Towson alumni, we actually went to one of the games that Towson was facing Delaware at we did. uh at home and Jasmine Dickey was tearing the Towson defense apart. And yeah, like you even watch that matchup against Maryland. She was doing the same thing, even though she was trying her best to get open looks Mm. and 12 of 32 from the field is not great. But then you look at that 31 points and it's like, you basically carried and gave your team a pulse. Right. So I think there's, there's that where you, where you look at it at the uh, the overall perspective of the game. But then you hear about the fact that she could be a potential WNBA draft pick. And ironically enough, like I, like I mentioned with Kirsten Bell, there's the chance that Jasmine Dickey can go to Atlanta. Mm. I think, imagine just a, a combined 40-point outburst a game from these two players. And I think that these are definitely two players that you can build your backcourt around for sure. Ryan, I need you to repeat that again for the podcast. You said who and who in the backcourt for Atlanta? Kirsten Kirsten Bell and Jasmine Dickey. Oh, my goodness. Atlanta sports, strap in, bro. Scary hours, Jalen. Scary hours hours indeed, my friend. That is one of them. That's one of them draft runs where you come out feeling really good if you can get those two players on your team in one draft. So, man, fingers crossed. I'm I'm keeping a buck with you. Fingers crossed. But you got your next player on the board. 
Yes, my next player on the board is Trudy Jones from Belmont. I know, Jalen, you're a fan of her game, so I'll definitely let you talk about her a little bit. But just to highlight her tournament performances so far, and I want to talk about the Oregon matchup first. Uh, Belmont upsetting Oregon in the first round. Now, Oregon's a team that I thought could have done a lot of damage in this NCAA tournament, but they end up getting eliminated in the first round in double overtime by Belmont, led by Tootie Jones, who had 22 points and six rebounds, shot the ball very well in this game, 72.7% from the field, four of four from three. And you look at the next game, too, Tootie Jones is keeping her team in games, especially now you look at the second round against Tennessee, another uh, good game from her with 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, six of 12 from the field, two of four from three. They ended up getting eliminated on this one. And granted, this was a great Tennessee team that they lost to. Jordan Horston leading the way, phenomenal player for them. But let's talk about the fact that Belmont, recorded their second ever NCAA tournament win against a top team in Oregon. That's a great, I think that's a great win. Tui Jones's performance in that game definitely helped them get the win. And it just seemed like she was just finding shots everywhere in that game. She could get open looks throughout the game and she was taking advantage of them. So credit to her and credit to that Belmont team for defeating a very good Oregon team. Yeah, and I mean, the biggest thing is, like, she went blow for blow with Nayara Sabali, and that's the most important thing when taking on an Oregon-led squad, an Oregon Duck squad, is because Nayara is going to go somewhere in the top 10 in this upcoming WNBA draft. We're going to bring up the draft a lot because there's a lot of players in this bubble that have either put themselves in an interesting conversation amongst the draft or players that we might have to look out for down the line as potential draft picks with the way they've played. For example, Tootie Jones is only a sophomore now, so there are more things to come potentially from her. And getting this, like you mentioned earlier, second second uh, recorded NCAA victory in program history, I think that's a really huge point, a really huge step, not just for this program, but for her individual development. Nayara Sabali had 31 points on 12 of 12 of 24 shooting Tootie Jones did it on 11 had 22 points on 11 shots so another thing that's really interesting about this Oregon game that you bring up Brian is this is a game where like Belmont and Oregon it was a defensive struggle in the first quarter 13 to 8 Oregon had eight points through the first quarter of basketball now granted things picked up significantly Oregon Shot back up to the offensive juggernaut. We know they, they have the capability of being scoring 20 points in the second quarter, and that's what definitely kind of shifted momentum. They ended up going into the second half up 28 to 26. But at the end of the day, that Belmont defense held, held true, and that fourth quarter was extremely important. They outscored Oregon 17 to 13 to help send it to over the first overtime, and that's, that is where things got really tricky. But this Belmont team really fought. Now, they're out of the tourney, like you mentioned beforehand. They lost to a really good Tennessee squad. But Tootie Jones and Belmont, I think, like I said earlier, I think this might be the beginning of something really interesting development over there with that program. That's probably the best way to put it because you see a lot of these teams that don't get talked about a lot, Belmont, South Dakota, and you see what they're doing in, like, the tournament. I think 
a program beginning to blossom is the best way that we can put it because they definitely have players that have been able to make an impact in the tournament. And now they put themselves on the map as teams to watch in future seasons. So I think that's a great way to put it, Jalen. Um, let's move on to your fourth unsung hooper. Who is your fourth unsung hooper, Jalen? So my fourth unsung hooper is uh, Dara May- uh, Mabry uh, for Notre Dame. And it was so weird when I was going through the tournament brackets and trying to find that fourth and fifth player. And then I saw Mabry pop up and I was like, why does the name sound so familiar? Well, Ryan, um, my uh, unofficial favorite team of the WNBA is who again? Oh, it's the Dallas Wings. It just might be the Dallas Wings. You know what I mean? And it really got me thinking. I was like, wait a minute. Is she who I think she is? Is she related to Marina Mabry? So I did some digging. And yes, she is uh, one of three sisters in the Mabry household. Um, And she actually transferred to Notre Dame uh, two seasons ago, or I guess about a season ago now. And um, which is also her other two sisters alum. I thought, which is, which was an interesting story in its own regard, but something that really popped out to me when I was looking at her actual tournament performance, she's the fifth leading scorer on this Notre Dame team at 10.4 points per game during the regular season. But in these first two rounds, you couldn't tell me she was that. I, I wouldn't believe you if you told me that without me having the notes in front of me, she's come out strong. First round, she had 18 points in the first round against UMass. And then in a complete dismantling of Oklahoma, drops 29 points with seven threes, and they beat Oklahoma 108 to 64. That is one hell of a way to go, bro. Let me tell you, if you gotta get kicked out of the, if you gotta get kicked out of the NCAA tournament, getting blown out by sheer flame throwing. From, from beyond the arc, that's one way to go. That's one hell of a way to go. Now, Ryan, they got NC State coming. Alyssa Cunane is no joke on the inside. Diamond Johnson is no joke out there on the, on the outside in the backcourt. Mabry's going to have to continue this hot streak. It's going to be very important if Notre Dame wants to continue on. Mabry is going to have to continue to play at a really high level because NC State, this is a team. This is a team right here. That's the best way to put it. This is a team right here, my guy. Yeah, this NCC, this NC State team is phenomenal this year. They deserve that one seed that they got in the NCAA tournament. But just looking at Notre Dame, I think they have a pure score in Mabry right now. And you know, I think her impact is going to be huge in that game. I think it'll be interesting to see how NC State plans to contain her in this game with what defensive schemes they use. But I think overall, Mabry is going to get at least 15 points. She's going to have to work hard for those 15 points, but I think she's going to get them. I think another player that we have to watch out for in this in this game, Jalen, Olivia Miles. And yeah. this is a, a another player that you brought up in a, in a past episode she actually just she just seems like a great all-around player for this team. She can score points, she can facilitate, she can grab rebounds, she can defend. I think that she could be another impact player for this team. And I think she'll definitely do a lot of her work on the perimeter because I think that it might be tough to stop Elisa Cunane and Diamond Johnson, but 
I think if you can eliminate their three point shooting entirely, you have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think overall this is going to be like a really interesting matchup because these are two teams that I think on any given night can have a player that snaps. And especially in a tournament that's win or go home, you're going to need your quote-unquote others to step up in a really big way. And Mabry, for example, again, fifth leading scorer during the regular season. She would fall under one of those other categories from, you know, from a from a far from a far view of this. You would look at her as somebody that was like, eh, we'll see what she does. But for the most part, you're focusing on the top two players or whatever the case may be. Well, she's shown up in a really big way. And it's really mattered. It's really counted. And it, I mean, it's helped <laughs> it's helped them imprint themselves as a, you know, serious terror in this tournament because um they're not afraid to blow out folks, apparently. <laughs> I got a transition in my fourth unsung, unsung Hooper, Jalen, because I want to talk about Aaliyah Moore from Texas. Now, mm-hmm. when I originally brought up her name, Jalen, you were a bit confused. Mm-hmm. You were like, why, why Aaliyah Moore? What, what was so different about her? What makes her an unsung Hooper? So granted, I, I definitely understood where you were coming from. Moore is in her first season at Texas. Mm-hmm. She's had a pretty quiet season up to this point until the NCAA tournament. Now, the reason why I say until the NCAA tournament is because she played two of her best games in the NCAA tournament against Fairfield in the first round. She put up a double-double with 18 points and 10 rebounds. Those 18 points were the highest of her college career up to that point, and she did all of that in 20 minutes. Then in the next game against Utah, 21 points in 21 minutes. Both of these games she came off the bench, Jalen. And before both these games, she had only scored over 10 points twice. And one of the recent games that she scored over 12, uh, over 10 points was 12 points against Baylor in the conference tournament in which Texas won to secure the auto bid. For a strong defensive team in Texas, they've been scoring a lot of points. Since, since the Big 12 tournament, they put up 77 points a game. And Aaliyah Moore has been a contributor to their offensive success. Yeah. So I want to touch on something that you brought up to me er, that that you brought up earlier about me kind of being a little sketchy about putting Aaliyah Moore on this list initially. Ryan, I have to give you credit, bro. I think that this is the definition of an unsung hooper. Because, like, when I really went through the list, I'm like, Aaliyah Moore has only scored. She's only scored double figures twice prior to this. She had only played double digit. She had played less than double. Excuse me. She played less than double digit minutes 10 times throughout the regular season. There's like a handful of two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, nine minutes. There's like a handful of different spurts there where she's only played single digit minutes. And then all of a sudden. Again, we even look at this right against against Kansas State in the semifinal four minutes. Um, in the, in the game against, uh, excuse me, in the, yeah, in the game against K-State, four minutes, in the game against Iowa State, two minutes, 21 minutes against Baylor, right, to secure the auto bid, 20 minutes against Fairfax, 21 minutes against Utah. I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a college basketball coach or anything, but I'm, I'm going to make a, 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 uh, 
a friendly suggestion to the coach. I think we need to give Aaliyah more more minutes. Um, I'm just throwing out suggestions here. I'm again, I, I'm I'm definitely not one to turn to in terms of running a lineup, but it sounds like when the girl gets time on the floor, she knows exactly what to do with it. So I actually want to give you a lot of credit with putting Aaliyah Moore on this list because I feel as though this is one of the better representations of an unsung hooper that we've had on any of our lists. That includes G Lee, that includes our um, HBCU episodes. I think this is one of those players that goes from completely off the radar to most to bursting on the scene in the tournament. That is a real representation of what being an unsung hooper is all about. I really fool with it. Yeah, and Aaliyah Moore definitely deserves to get credit because she's been playing some great basketball for this Texas team. And I would even also bring up Rory Harmon for Texas as well. Jalen, she's been pretty phenomenal as a facilitator for this team. 11 assists, actually recorded a double-double against Fairfield, 10 points, 11 assists in the first game, 11 points, 8 assists in the win against Utah. She just knows how to create opportunities for her teammates around her. So I think she was definitely in the conversation as well for being an unsung hooper. But these two can can play some great basketball for this team. They definitely have a lot of potential to grow as players as well. Yeah, I, I again, just kind of want to press that button one more time by just saying, like, this is one of those players that I feel like we're talking about in the early stages of their college career. And I think when you talk about the potential progression Showing up big in the tournament is a really good way to get a pulse of where a player's development is heading, right? When the chips are in the middle of the table and you ask a player that they have to play their absolute best in order to keep their championship hopes alive, right? The fact that she has played some of her best basketball, A, with more minutes, obviously, but B, when you would argue that... I, I mean, they play in the Big 12, so any competition is significantly high. But when the competition is at its highest, considering the stakes as well, I think that really goes to tell you about where she is headed and her trajectory as a player with Texas. Like you said, this is an excellent uh, building block for Texas moving forward in their backcourt. We're going to have to watch out. So, Jalen, moving on to the last unsung hooper in this episode, who is your unsung hooper? Yeah, man. So you already know the vibes. There was no way we were going to exit a college basketball related podcast without bringing up UNC in some respects. We're going to talk about them on the men's uh, breakdown, of course. You guys can check that out um, when that comes out uh, later on tomorrow. But look, man. Deja Kelly for UNC been hooping. There's no disputing it. 16.3 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists, nearly a steal and a half per game during the regular season. Went crazy against Stephen F. Austin. 28 points, hit four threes. They handled Stephen F. Austin very easily, 79-66 in the first round. Second round, big, big win over Arizona, 15 points. And again, another team that's got a little something, something coming in the Sweet 16 because I love me some Tar Heels, but they got Aaliyah Boston, Zaya Cook, Destiny Henderson, South Carolina, them Gamecocks, man. Eight, eight. 
This is another one of the matchups, man, where you just going to have to stay real close to your seat because if you don't, you might hit the floor. This is going to be a game that's going to be really interesting. And we're going to need De- we're going to need Deja Kelly to play really well. She's had a really, really good season, and it's going to be really interesting to see her matchup against either Zaya Cook or Destiny Henderson, or really both of them, because I think there will be interesting situations where she'll get switched on to both of them, both offensively and defensively. So Deja Kelly versus Zaya Cook and Destiny Henderson might be one of the more intriguing individual matchups that I'm keeping an eye out on during this Sweet 16 because I think that individual matchup could be the difference between UNC pulling off the upset and the Gamecocks just moving on and continuing with what has been a really, really championship-caliber season for them so far. I think that's a another great matchup to point out because Deja Kelly, she's been the real deal for North Carolina this entire season. I mean, a great scorer for this team, but then you factor in who they have to face in the next round. South Carolina is no joke, Mm-mm. and this is a team that has championship aspirations. They nearly got there last year. I think they have the capability of doing it again, but I think what Deja Kelly is going to have to do, I think her along with uh, along with uh, Utsby for North Carolina, I think those two players definitely have to make a huge impact in this game. They have to set the tone with South Carolina in the first quarter because I think much like what, what I mentioned with South Dakota earlier, getting a huge play to start the game like a steal or a block could set the tone for you. I think that would be huge for North Carolina um, against a team like uh, South South Carolina because of how good they've been the entire season. They've just been a juggernaut the entire season. But moving on to my last on Sun Hooper, sticking with the ACC, I'm going with Emily Engsler from Louisville. She's a third leading scorer on Louisville, nearly averaging a double-double this season, 11.7 points per game, 9.1 rebounds. Also leads her team in steals and blocks with two and a half steals a game, 1.8 blocks a game. I'm really impressed with her consistency on defense. You look at the tournament games against Albany, she put up 17 points and seven rebounds. She also adds seven steals and two blocks on the defensive end. Against Gonzaga, she had a double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. But on defense, five steals, two blocks. This season, she's recorded multiple games of five or more steals a game, and she's also recorded games where she's had three or more blocks. Angsler does a great job disrupting passing lanes. She makes it difficult for players going against her to get open looks. And Angsler has helped turn Louisville into a great defensive team. So Ryan, I'm going to let an article do the work for me this time. I don't do this much, but I think this is a great way to really line things up. Shout out ABC7NY.com. Number six overall, Indiana Fever would select Emily Angster, Angsler, Louisville forward, six foot one, senior. New general manager and former Fever coach Lynn Dunn made it clear she wants the team to have a stronger defensive identity and more of an edge, and Angsler can provide both. The transfer from Syracuse has been a boot, been a big boost this season for the Cardinals, who like who names. NC State squad are a number one seed in the Sweet 16. Angsler is a six foot one energy force 
averaging 11.1 points and 9.1 rebounds. And she is one of those do the dirty work grinders. What else I got to tell you? I mean, that, I mean, that, you know what I mean? And again, this is such an interesting thing because when you talk about unsung hoopers, and this is why I like doing this with you specifically because our contrasts are somewhat, somewhat similar, but some, our, our dynamics and how we choose these players are somewhat similar, but somewhat different as well. For me, I tend to focus a lot on a skill set from a two-way ability standpoint. And so a player might average 15, 10, 2, 1, and that might be their lineup. But it's that well-rounded game where if they shoot around 45, 50-plus percent from the floor, I feel like you have an overall well-built game. And I tend to zero in on that. And you tend to focus on a specific skill set as well, which is locking up on the defensive end. In this case. This is a player that has a lot of the, like, typically, like, this is, like, a lot of the, like, explanations that would be associated with, like, a Patrick Beverly, for example. But this is a player, 11.1 points per game, 9.1 rebounds. This is somebody who has an impact on both the offensive and defensive glass, can create offense for themselves whenever necessary, which is always good in terms of being able to insert a cog into a system, especially for a team like Indiana, who kind of is trying to figure themselves out. We talked about Indiana a lot last season as being a team that seemed like they were struggling with figuring out what their identity was on both sides of the ball. And so Emily Engsler, I think, is going to be a really intriguing player throughout this tournament because she has one of those do-it-by-themselves toolkits that is going to allow her to have an impact on the game, whether she is scoring or not. And I think that alone can really help this Louisville team. And, I mean, that's not even accounting for players like Van Lith and them who can, who could score the basketball. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be good. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is your unsung hooper from the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode. Peace.